are listening to Nightlight. Yes, you're listening to Nightlight, and nice to have you with us. Very special program today because we have someone with us in the studio who's going to tell us their very amazing testimony, and that's Farouk Tezikuva. He's one of Uganda's successful accountants and also the son of a prominent Muslim family. And he's with us on Nightlight to share with us his life story and how he came to know and serve Christ. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Well, thanks for being with us on the show tonight, Farouk. I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. And why don't you start by introducing yourself? Uh, I was born Farouk Tezikova. Uh, I was a Muslim, a son to Haji Mtualibi Tezikova and Hajjat Lukia Tezikova from Busoga. I was born in 1972. I went to school. I have a degree in in accountancy, uh, which I attained in India, Manglo University. I completed in 1995 in June. I came back here and I started work as an auditor and worked as an accountant. That is a brief introduction of me. What what is your profession at the moment? Oh, I'm an accountant. Mm-hmm. I'm an accountant, but uh, I just realized that it's not really what my calling is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to preach the gospel. I want to spread the good news of Jesus. That is my heart's desire. Which is what you're doing on the program yes. uh, today. So, were you raised a strict Muslim or a nominal Muslim? What kind of Muslim were you raised to be? Well, my parents uh, tried their best to teach us Islam, but they were not very strict. Uh, they, were, I won't say they were liberal. They were very strict Muslims themselves, but they were liberal and us children. Not that they encouraged that they encouraged us to believe in what we wanted, but they. They were not hard on us as to learn the the, the Islam way, mm-hmm. but still they encouraged, they brought teachers at home when we were young to teach us Islam, to teach us to pray, and we were raised as Muslims. Did you have um, a relationship with God as a Muslim, or were you just a nominal Muslim because your parents were Muslim? Yeah, I was as a nominal Muslim, just because my parents were Muslim. The relationship I had with God was uh, my personal relationship. Right from when I was young, I used to, I used to believe I was speaking to God. I used to call Him my God, and I would speak to Him in the language that I understood. I believed this was at the time. I believed I was talking to God. It was the same God. It was Allah. It was God. So you had an inherent faith. Yes, I did. Did you stray away from that faith at some point as a student? Did you become uh, materialistic or did your values change or did you always have that relationship with God? Well, I, I, I I'll say I strayed away. I, uh, I strayed away. It, it began, my, my encounter with God began in secondary school. as in S3 and I was about to be expelled, I remember. Uh, there was this young boy, he was in S1, he was called Adrian. 
uh, at that time he came to me and I was, I was of course afraid of being expelled and he was a Christian so he he prayed for me and actually led me to the Lord mm-hmm. and when he prayed for me all these troubles seemed to go away mm-hmm. and uh, I was a Christian for like two weeks Mm-hmm. Because when the troubles went, I went back to mm-hmm. what I was before. Our, our listeners probably might wondering why were you going to be expelled? <laughs> well, I used I was I was really stubborn in school. I, we used to do so many things, escape from school, go for discos and things like that. So this one time we were caught by one of the prefects who threatened and took us to to one of the head teachers who said she was going to take us to the headmaster, but uh, through Adrian's prayers, uh, somehow he ended. She ended up just punishing us, and we weren't expelled. So, at what age did you go to India? I went to India when I was. It was in 1991. I I was uh, 19 years old. I went to India in 1991 to pursue a degree in Bachelor of Commerce. And when I got to India, I I totally lost it. Uh, but the the losing it actually was not in India. It started uh, in my air levels when I was still here. I started drinking and smoking and. Uh, uh, I also liked girls a lot. So when I went to India with all that freedom, because at home my father was a very strict man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't care how old you were. If you did something wrong, he would discipline you there and then. And so was my mom. So when I went to India and tasted that freedom, I totally lost it. I started drinking a lot and smoking a lot and partying. And everything was was a party, as I thought. So how did the Lord work in your life to bring you to Him? Well, uh, it began slowly, I must say. It, when I came back from India, I got, the, I got a job and I worked as an auditor with one of the firms in Kampala. And I, I got a lot of experience, exposure in accountancy. So I got another good job. I got two other jobs, actually. I worked for a printing company, and then I worked for an insurance company. Now, at the insurance company, uh, the Lord blessed me. I should say He blessed me because I believe everything came from, comes from Him now. He gave me favor and I was doing so well, I was making a lot of money. And I, I was seeing a, a, a lady at the time, uh, so we decided to move in together. We, had, uh, we have a beautiful daughter together, she's seven now. So at that time uh, is when a thing started to happen. I had this friend of mine, he was... He was what they call a sheikh, but he was into witchcraft, and he was my friend. So he used to uh, talk to me and 
tell me things and that you know you have to do this to protect yourself if you want your bosses to like you you have to do this and this and this which I, w- I was not really interested because of the way we were raised by my parents I mean they never ever exposed us to this to this kind of you know to witchcraft or anything so I wasn't really into it but then a time came when my parents were going through a tough time uh, that was actually before I started working for the insurance company when my parents uh, my, my, my dad was losing everything from he, he moved from being the richest one one of the richest people in Kampala to losing everything completely mm-hmm. and in the process in the process of trying to save this and that this guy came in so he would say that you see what happened to your parents you see you have to s- protect whatever you have in this way that way and so I I kind of indulged in it a bit I, I got a bit of this to protect me in witchcraft yeah in witchcraft it's it they, they, they don't call it witchcraft mm-hmm. because it's 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 in the guise of you know of, of, of Traditional Islam, yeah, religion of, of re- religion because it's written in Arabic this this but mm-hmm. I believe it is witchcraft in a way because they'll ask you things like what's your boss's name what's you know so so but I was always I, you know I didn't want to involve anybody's name I didn't want to I just wanted if it was to protect me I just say you know for me just do it for me because I, I wasn't sure what I was getting myself into but so when I was successful I felt that this guy was on my case because I used to give him money as a friend, you know, just here. So he wanted to get more money from me. So he would tell me, let's do this now. You have to do this. Then something would happen, like maybe I would be out in a disco, I would lose my wallet. And when I mentioned it to him passively, he would say that, you know what? That's a saying that somebody wants you to lose all, you know, he would, he would manipulate me mm-hmm. in a way. So as I became more closer to him, something started happening uh, there's something that started coming to me at night and this thing would come and it would when when it would come it would hold me i couldn't scream i couldn't move it would hold me down now at the same time i was having problems with uh, the lady i was staying with we just had a daughter and we were we were not compatible you know, we knew this before we even came together. We had tried it and failed, but we thought maybe, you know, marriage would. But we were just not compatible and nothing was working. I mean, it became so bad that we were staying in the same house and would take a week without talking. So it became so bad that one day I just decided, you know, uh, I'm moving out. So I just got my clothes threw them into my car and I drove I went I rented a new house I bought stuff for the house and I moved in and I said I'll take care of my daughter but I've had it with this relationship so it was at that time that everything went downhill I mean if I was a womanizer times two when I went by myself it was like times a hundred Something happened to me that I couldn't sleep except I was drunk 
Oh, I was with a woman. So I used to, I would wake up in the middle of the night, actually, in the middle of the night, 12, 1 a.m., and I sat, you know, scrolling through my phone, looking for who to call. And if, if there was no one, I'd, I'd just go and drink. And then I come back and sleep. And I was always, always in time for work. You know, nobody was noticing this. Now, at the same time, this dark force that used to torment me doubled as well. It used to come, especially when I was drunk. So I, I thought that now, okay, the best thing to do is to always have a woman or to be very drunk that I don't have to feel whatever. So life went on like that. I mean, on the outside, people saw me. I was successful. I was making money. But on the inside, I was... I couldn't sleep. I remember one time I got a hiccup for a week. I mean, I just got this hiccup. You know, it's like something touched me. And I had this hiccup for a whole week. Day and night. So, one night I remember, I, I decided, I got home, it was a Friday, I got home at about 6, I took a shower, then I, I was watching TV and saying, okay, I'm going out, uh, I'm going out, I'll leave home at about 9, 9.10pm, 9, go out, come back in the morning. So, I leave home at about 9 and then I go out, I go to the first bar, I look around, don't see any of my friends, I go to the next bar, no friends, then I decide, you know what, I think I'm tired, let me go home, I'll sleep, and I'll go out the next day. But as, a, as I was heading home, I remember my thoughts were so far, and then all of a sudden, I was driving, then I realized that that I was lost, I was somewhere that I didn't understand. Because it was at night. But now when I looked out, out the car, I mean it was no longer night, and I was on a very straight, very narrow road that had so many turnings on either side. And uh, above, there was no cloud, there was no darkness, but there was this like a pinkish reddish light you know you couldn't uh, I, I think it was it you know with no cloud but it's 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 giving light so I keep driving and I drive until I get to a wide junction and there are two roads I can either take one so I stop and as I'm thinking where am I? Which which road do I take? All of a sudden, I'm I'm like above the car, and I can see myself in the car, and I can hear what my heart was saying, the confusion in my heart. So as I'm looking at myself, there's a voice above me that says, "That let me show you the road that you are on, that you are taking." So, it showed me that I would get home that night. I had left a cup on the, t on the coffee set. I would enter the house. 
and I would hit the coffee set and break the cup. And uh, the, the 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 boy that yeah the young boy that I was staying with would come and I would have bitter words with him for leaving the cup there. Then I'll go to sleep, and you know it showed me days ahead. I would somehow have some problems at work that would you know just grow and grow, and I would lose my job. And then after losing my job, it showed me ahead again. I would have. You, I would use up all my money, I would drink it and squander it until it's all gone. And then it showed me also that then I would start leaving on friends and relatives, you know, asking them for this and that, and then they would get tired. Then if eventually I would get, uh, I would get some kind of a disease uh, in my stomach that would really uh, grow, grow worse and worse, and they would take me to the village. And I would, I would be there bedridden, and my grandmother was looking after me, and it came to a point that I, she would look after me until she was tired of me, and 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 I mean my grandmother and me, we, we have a, a wonderful relationship. She's somebody that I know loves me dearly, and I likewise. But she would look after me until the point that. I heard her in her heart saying that when is he dying so I can get peace as well. So I saw myself uh, on a bed, and I was so thin and so so pale and in so much pain, and I felt the fear in my heart and the uncertainty, and I looked, you know, I saw somebody, and then I looked at her, and I could see it was me. And eventually, you know, after all that, I would die. I would die in 2003, November 13th, at 4.17 p.m. And when I died, it was like things came out of shadows. You know, like that shadow there, it's like st things would come out of the, the dark shadow. And they would grab me, and they th threw me so far, so far into a deep darkness. And then, you know, I, all of a sudden, I was back at the car. And then the voice said, "Now let me show you how I have protected you, so that you can take this other road." And then he takes me back to times when I was young, when I felt sick. And then he would say that that time you should have died. And then trips I should have taken, but I changed my mind, or relationships I would have had. And he would say that, you know, you there was something wrong that time, and something would happen to you. So, he takes me to that point, again, back to the car. I saw my past from when I was three years old. Some things I did, I even remember. You say he... Uh was it Jesus? Was it an angel? Yeah, right now, or? I believe it was Jesus. I know it was Jesus. I don't believe, but I know it was him. Because at that time, I was a Muslim, remember? And Allah doesn't speak. You know, he doesn't speak. He doesn't have a one-on-one -on -one, uh, in English or any other language, except in Arabic. So, but at that time, I didn't know who this person was. So, 
all of a sudden I'm, I'm at the gate at home so I hoot and hoot and hoot and nobody's coming to open and all of a sudden uh, on the court driver's seat there comes a small light like where you we put the, the footrest where it is a small light starts to and it starts growing and growing and growing and growing and it grows until it's it's covering the whole car and I jumped I jumped out but this light filled the whole car but it never you know it just filled the car and it didn't even give off any shadows or anything but I saw this light and then it just dimmed out and then I entered the car and they opened and like I saw it I entered the house I hit the, the coffee set the car fell and brake and this guy came and just as I was about to you know to to start having him for leaving the cup there I just remembered so I went into my bedroom and I locked the door and I was thinking ab about what I had just seen what had just happened to me and then all of a sudden there was this peace that I just felt and I felt that you know there's some there's something or somebody in here that but I couldn't see and then I felt so tired so as I was going to sleep he asked did you understand what I showed you but then I felt so tired so I said I'm so tired I'll I'll tell you tomorrow but as I said that and as I I fell asleep some someone cried from deep inside of me from inside of me I had somebody crying please help me please help me and then I fell asleep but when I woke up in the morning I could remember that I had a conversation with somebody and I could remember everything he told me and so this I call it weird relationship began. If I was drunk, the dark force would come. And if I didn't drink and I was by myself, this man with peace would come. This presence with peace would come. But each time he came, I would say, "Today I'm not going to fall asleep. I'm going to when I when he starts to come, I'll feel it and I'll jump up and see who this is." But same thing happened. Whenever I came, I would fall asleep, but somehow I would wake up in the morning and I know he was there. I could I, if you ask me, I'll tell you that he sat. I'll show you exactly where he sat. And I'll tell you what he said, but I my my eyes could not tell you that I saw him. But yet I was so sure that he was there. And I could remember the things he was telling me. So this went on like that. And I remember one time it was I, I remember the place as I, I was at the got uh, the got races in Munyonyo. <laughs> and I was walking and I was talking and and somebody saw me because there's a friend of mine who thought I was going crazy. And 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 she said she told a friend of mine that they used to call me rookie she told a friend of mine that look at rookie he's he's totally lost it 
because I was walking among his people, but I was talking to someone. I was trying to fight this voice that was speaking to me. So it continued like that until I decided that you know what I don't think I don't I didn't want to drink anymore because I preferred that immense peace to the dark power. But the womanizing was still there. So what it did is it would wait when I was with a woman and it would come and grab me. And then I decided that you know I think let me uh, stop everything for now. But I had uh, uh, ironically I liked going after born again uh, girls. I, uh, I like going after them. One, I believed that they were, you know, it was the, they were not stressful. I mean, you didn't have to worry about catching HIV. Or, <laughs> and the other bit was, uh, was because it gave me some kind of satisfaction as a Muslim. You know. So there's this one girl that I was chasing after. And I was beginning to get frustrated with her because yes, she was saying that we were in a relationship but nothing was happening. So I began to get frustrated with her but the the more I got frustrated, I, the, I mean I was getting frustrated with her physically but I was drawn to her. I liked being around her because there's something about her that just used to give me peace. So one time... Uh, just a minute in, in, in this in the whole mix there is this other guy the the sheikh I shared what I was going through with him mm-hmm. and he told me that you know what that the other woman you left has, is sending witchcraft a lot of witchcraft to you and something I didn't believe because knowing her I mean she's she was she was not that type of person and I also shared it with my grandmother who told me that, you know what, let, let me take you to somebody, took me to one of the old grandfathers there, and he also said that, you know, that woman you left, uh, you know, is doing stuff against you, so you have to... So they gave me more more stuff, more tokens to, to keep in the house, to you know, for protection. But the more they gave me, the more peace I lost. So I just get home and throw them into the house. And I didn't want to be in the house. I, I, I just, somehow, I was, I was so confused. I remember one time I was, I was in the office. And my office, we used to sit three people. So that day there, it was payday. There were so many people in the office. And they were having conversations. And when I sat at my chair, it was about 10, 10 in the morning. I sat at my chair and then all of a sudden, I couldn't hear what they were saying. I was looking, I was concentrating on my work. Then I couldn't hear anything. So I look up and I can see people are talking, people are moving, but I can't hear. So I, I, I look at them and I'm thinking, and then a voice, a deep powerful voice just called my name, said Farouk. And when he called my name, you know, I heard him I think even in my marrow, you know, the voice went right through me. Totally through me, as in every, even my nails. I felt that my nails had hard. 
So when he called me, I, f I was filled with this, with this fear that I couldn't explain. So I jump up, I jump into the car and I just drive. I drove from Kampala right to Iganga. <laughs> just driving, you know. And I realize I'm in Iganga. I was in my grandmother's uh, compound. In the morning, so she says, hey, what's wrong? So I, I lied to her that, you know, there's something we're doing, so I just came. So I sat there in, for some time, for a few minutes, we, we talked a bit, and I jumped up again. And I jumped into the car, and I drove back to Kampala. So as I'm driving, as I was driving, I, I began to doze off. And as I dozed off, the voice called me again. And when I woke up, I was, I was going head on with, with the trailer. I was about to, you know, to collide, head on collision. So this happens. Then there's the voice, the peaceful voice at night. Then there's the evil thing that comes. Then one night I remember it came so badly that I realized, you know, this thing wants to kill me. So I thought, and then when, when, when the Lord came this time, he told me that, you know what, uh, ask that girl what happened to her. Then what she tells you will give you an idea of who I am. Hmm. So the next day, I asked her, it was a Saturday, I remember we were home in the bedroom, we were talking. And I asked her, that, you know, I told her, that, you know what, somebody told me that I should ask you what happened to you. And based on that, I'll know whatever I'm going through. But I'd, I'd, I'd briefly shared with her. And she had begun, you know, like preaching to me. And, but I was, I was like, oh, man, I've, I've found something else other than, you know, than, than you, whatever you're saying. So when I, when, I, when I told her that, I could see her face changing. And she told me that, you know what? Uh, she said, in a dream, somebody had told her that when I asked, she should not be afraid, but tell me. Mm. Wow. So she told me about what was happening to her. You know, she was a very beautiful girl who grew up in, with us. With her, her parents died. Uh, she grew up with her... I think it's not stepmom, but an aunt who didn't like her because she was better looking than her daughters. So she practiced a lot of witchcraft on her and had made her, you know, I mean, she had, had like at one point she had a terrible, terrible, terrible disease in her private parts and she had this awful stench she used to give off and she was looking for peace until somebody led her to a lady who prayed for her and led her to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So she gave me this story. Then I told her that, you know what, I want to meet that lady. And she told me that, you know, this lady is very busy. I don't think she'll see you. So I said, you tell her that there's this guy who wants to see her. I'm sure she'll tell you that she wants to see me on Monday. Because the Lord had already told me. So she went and spoke to the lady on Sunday and she called me that Sunday evening and told me that you know what I don't believe it the woman told me that God told her you were coming so she wants to see you tomorrow which was Monday 
So I said, what time? She says, five o'clock. So I said, okay. So five o'clock came by. I was supposed to meet at a restaurant. So I get into the car. And I'm playing music. Now, the, the, the funny thing is, I'd had a song in a shop. Uh, a song, uh, I liked its beat. So I bought the CD. And I used to play it in my car over and over again. Now, I never realized that it was a Christian CD. I never used to listen to the songs because I just liked the beat. So I was playing this CD. And as I was playing it, I, I couldn't hear it anymore. I, I started to hear a voice. Then he said, My name is Jesus Christ. I am the Son of the Most High God. I have saved you for a purpose to this day, and the lady you are going to meet is going to tell you about me. Do not be afraid. Accept whatever she says, and I will use you. So when I got to the restaurant and the lady was talking, I mean this lady told me about my life from A to Z, what I had been through, what I was going through, everything before she even saw me. And then she asked me, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And I said, yes, I do. And right there in that restaurant, at about six, I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And it was like something just, you know, lifted off me. I was filled with this peace. And I just knew that, you know, now everything is okay. I mean, the troubles had started at work. But the next day, everything that wasn't moving, I mean, something that had taken me a long time to sort out, I sorted out in a matter of minutes. Mm -hmm. Something that was taking me a month, I sorted out in a matter of minutes, and everything started moving on. You're with Nightlight on Alpha FM. SMS your prayer requests to our 24-hour prayer line on 0782-566-777. That's 0782-566-777. Well, you're listening to Night Lights, and we're enjoying together listening to the amazing testimony of Farouk Tezikuva, who's telling us in his own words how he came to know and love Jesus. Inspiring you to love and serve Jesus more. You're listening to Night Light. Well, Farouk, after you got saved, did the downhill path of your life that had been shown you, did all those uh, predicted order of events, did they stop? And did your life then lead in a different direction? Yes. Headed on to a path that he knows himself. It was everything that has happened to me since then, because this was July 4th, 2002. I mean, I never saw it. I never saw. Only he knows. He knows, as the Bible says, that I know the plans that I have for you. I know he knows. So when I got saved, I uh, I went to a church uh, in Mango at the time. And I went there and the pastor was warm to me. She, she welcomed me with the other pastors. They were very close to me. But they were preaching a lot. Uh, 
I won't say not not in the word, but I'll say there were that there was nothing to. I I, I wasn't uh, involved in Bible study, mm-hmm. so uh, the the God I knew at that church was a God of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you give, you get. You mm-hmm. give, give. So I thought that was it was all about. It was the prosperity doctrine. Yeah, the prosperity doctrine. So I thought that was it. That's why it was all about. I had money. I used to go and sit in church and I distribute. <laughs> you know, I'd go with money and I'd distribute. I'd give people money. And but well, I remember one time the the pastor came. And and the topic that time was about the Holy Spirit. And as they talked more about the Holy Spirit. I mean, she was giving examples. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, this happens. If you have a relationship, this happens. If you, so the more she talked <coughs> about the Holy Spirit, something in me, there's a hunger that was growing in me every second. So that evening, I remember, I left church depressed. Because I didn't know, I thought I knew everything. I thought, I mean, this is it. But there's, I discovered there's somebody I don't know. And he comes from God. Because I knew, I used to pray, God, God, you know, God. This. So I remember I went home. And I, I had my supper and it was a quarter to, to ten. I got on my knees and I said, I said a prayer, I said, Holy Spirit, I've had them talking about you. Excuse me. So I want to meet you. Uh, I'm not going to get off my knees until I meet you. So I was on my knees for like five minutes because I was very tired. Then I said, okay, now I'm going to sleep, (laughs) but I'll start from here tomorrow. But as before I could get up, you know, still eyes closed. I, f- I, had, I felt something above me. You know, like how you might lift uh, a bed sheet or a big sheet mm-hmm. cloth and shake it. Like I felt something above me coming down so slowly. And it came round me like a blanket. And it wrapped me from the outside and wrapped my inner. I felt it like wrapping around my heart. And then... There was like something boiling in my chest and it came up, up, up through my throat and I burst out and I was speaking in this language that I didn't know. (laughs) And I spoke and spoke and it was like five minutes and then I stopped. So when I stopped, I stayed on my knees. Then I realized my knees were aching, my elbows were aching. So... I get up and I move to the window. I look at the watch and it was a quarter to seven in the morning. It was a quarter to seven a.m. So I thought that must be wrong. So I draw the curtain and the sun was coming out. So what seemed like five minutes I'd been on my knees from 9.45 (laughs) to quarter to seven in the morning. And I was speaking this, but it seemed like five minutes. Wow. So I went to work and I said, I'm going back. I mean, I need to. So I, I go to work. I wasn't, I worked with so much energy. I wasn't tired. I wasn't sleepy. 
Then I zoom back, I get on my knees, and I fell asleep on my knees. <laughs> I'd wake up and enter bed. So as I'm there, at night I woke up in this presence of, you know, like electricity has filled the room, that thick presence, like there's electricity all over me. And as I'm there, uh, a voice spoke to me and said, that you will take three days and you will not eat, you will not drink. So I said, what? But when I woke up in the morning, I, I woke up, I went to work, I went through the day and I realized in the evening that I hadn't eaten or drunk. And so the next day, the same thing for three days. I did not eat or drink. And then I had a dream, I remember, that I was in this battlefield and there were people fighting. But my head, I was resting my head on Jesus. And every time I wanted to put my head up, he would, he would hold my head and say, don't worry, it's over. So after those three days of fasting, I still, you know, went on as, as discovering this new God. I started to pray and read the word. I had DSTV, I had a music system. This voice told me, get rid of the DSTV, give it to so-and-so, get rid of the system, give it to so-and-so, until I had nothing, no radio, not even a small one. And then he, I, he told me to buy a Bible, so I bought a Bible. So every day from work, I would spend one hour from seven to eight speaking this language <laughs> in my bedroom that I didn't understand. I would just walk to and fro, you know, speaking, you know, in tongues, of course. Mm -hmm. And then at eight, I would read the Bible up to nine. Mm -hmm. And this went on. Then one day he told me that you have to fast for 40 days. That you will take three days, you will fast and only you will drink water for three days. And then seven days, you will take bread and anything from the ground, any vegetable, anything. So once a day. So I, I got into this fast. And when I started this fast, that is when I got to know the Holy Spirit. Because every night, my room was filled with this presence of God. At that time, I used to call it electricity. Sometimes it was so thick that I would even play, you know, let myself fall. <laughs> and it would slowly put me down. Wow. And, you know, he would tell me, read this go to this chapter, go to this verse, read this, read this, and I read the word, and those were the best 40 days of my entire life. <laughs> so in the process, I got to know who Jesus was. Through reading the word, my God, I mean, he, the Holy Spirit would teach me himself, you know, where to read. You'd have a question, what about this during the day? Then in the evening, when, when he comes, he would lead you to some verse that would explain exactly what you were asking. And he went on like that until I lost interest at all in my job. I, all of a sudden, I didn't want to work. I just wanted to, you know, spend time in Jesus, spend time in the Lord.
So it was November 2003. Actually, it was about the time I should have died. And the Lord told me that, you know, in December, I want you to quit this job. And I said, okay. So I go to my computer, I write my resignation. I say December 30th, I'm leaving December 30th. So I'm, I'm going to give it to the CEO at the time. But I looked at, uh, you know, the financial needs I had and I said, you know what? I, I can't make it. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll push it too much. Lord, let me push it too much. So I push it too much. And when it was coming to, to February, I mean the time I'm supposed to hand in the letter because one month's notice, still hardships, you know, financial hardships. Because now, those days I had ways of making money. But now I had to live on a salary. And I wasn't, you know, my, 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 my expenses could not be supported by my salary. So I had to cut off things, you know, forget some things, but still it wasn't enough. So I, I was saying that now, how can I quit my job with no plan? I don't have any money, I don't have. So I remember that time I, I went, I used to go into the toilet and I'd, I'd kneel over the toilet seat, put the cover down, kneel over and pray. I mean, that was, I used to, it was my prayer room. <laughs> during working hours. So I remember that time I was praying and I told him, Lord, give me one more chance. Let me do it in March. And I remember him telling me that if you do not do it in March this time, I'm going to have you fired. And it sunk into my heart that when I left that room, I went straight, I signed the letter and I handed it in because I knew that was the Lord. And after handing in that letter, I got so much peace. I moved. The March came. I resigned my job. I went. I, thought, I said, okay, Lord, now I'm going to leave here and I'll go to Gulu and I'll serve you there. You guide me as you instructed me. So I went. I left my job. I went to Gulu. For, uh, I was there for two weeks. I fasted seven days. I dry fast for instruction. And then from there, he directed me to go into my, uh, my home village and just wait, you know, just be there and wait for him. And in the process, I ran out of money. I had nothing, almost. I, even the clothes I used to wear, you know, were getting torn on my back. I remember one time that I had to go two, three nights with no food because I didn't have money. And, but the peace and the joy that was in my heart, you know, I don't even have it now. Because I knew, I mean, no matter what happened to me, that, that's the thing, that was the, I knew that this is the indicator that I am exactly where you want me to be. I remember one time I was praying in the church and I said, Lord, even if you kill me, I mean, you've taken everything, that time I was uh, there was an invasion of jiggers, so I was 
being the new person there with weak feet, I was infested with jiggers. So I had jiggers. I hadn't eaten for some days. My clothes, I mean, I had no money. From all the, you know, the standards, I, I left the cars. and Now I'm back. And I was so happy. I can't, you know, words cannot describe it. I knew that I was exactly where the Lord wanted me to be. So I prayed and said, you know, even if you kill me, I'm not going to leave you. Because in that village they were talking. I was the example now. You see what happens when you leave Islam? He was the most successful in his family. But now look at him. He has nothing, he even has jiggers. You know, they were, it was a true story of, of Allah. You know, Allah's whip on disobedient children. But in my heart I knew. And you know what? No matter what I'm going through, Jesus is doing something in me. I mean, there's, a, there's something that the Lord is doing in me. So, I kept going on, you know, and I made all that. And, and on top of that, you know, the Lord gave me favor before my father. I mean, he, look, he would look at me and he, he would feel sorry for me. That I started going home, you know, I would stay at his place. Whenever I came to Kampala, I would stay there and, he, you know, we'd, we'd eat together, we'd talk. And he would encourage me, you know, do this, get a job. But I knew, you know, the Lord is not going to give me a job until the right time comes. So I went through this time. I was serving God. I was preaching in the churches. I would preach in the village churches. I would preach sometimes. I preached in a few churches here. I preached in Gulu number of times in Iganga I would pray for people and the Lord would heal them you know deliver them bless them which was a reminder that you know what you're doing exactly what I want you to do exactly where I want you to be until in September 2006 when the Lord gave me a job in a government parastatal miraculously I mean somebody called me and asked me to go for an interview. After years of me trying to get a job by myself, somebody just called me. I went for this interview. The very same day, in the, I went for the interview in the morning at 11. Now, when I went for the interview, I didn't work for two years. It was an accountancy job. I had to go through an interview with these people. I didn't have any documents. I thought that maybe I'd leave a village quickly. It was on a Tuesday. I, I read something and then I go for the interview. I didn't have that time. So when I got to the place, I remember I prayed and said, Holy Spirit, you brought me here. So when I get in there, I mean, all the things I've forgotten, you have to remind me. But when I got in front of them, I got at the reception and I remember I was the first one there, but the next two people that came, I could see their qualifications. And they were way above mine. You know, and instantly, I just started thanking God. I said, thank you for the experience of an interview. I know now you're training me for interviews so that the next one may be. But that very day, at 6 p.m., the, the lady called me and told me, you know what, you have the job. In one day, I, didn't, I had 200 shillings in my pocket. In the morning. 
I had 200 shillings to my name. But in the evening, by 6, by 7 p.m., I had a job where I was earning 2 million shillings. <laughs> and so they, they were telling me that, okay, you got the job. It was Tuesday. Can you start on Thursday? I didn't have a shirt or a tie. So I started begging that, you know what? I need to go and organize myself. Can I come on Monday? They said, it's okay, it's okay. So a friend of mine, uh, a lady I'd prayed for one time, bought me a shirt and a tie and gave me some money to buy some more shirts. And then my younger brother also blessed me with a shirt, a tie. So I began work next Monday. Tuesday, Monday was a public holiday. So I worked in this place and God's favor was upon me. I mean, I was collecting debts and, you know, the Lord... The Lord's favor was upon me that I, these debts were just coming in even without me, you know, collecting them. I know Jesus was doing that. And just before, I worked there for one year. During the process, it began as a temporary job, but after one year, I was confirmed as a permanent employee. And just as I was confirmed, one month into that confirmation, another job opening opened where I was going to get like two times what I was earning. I go to this place, a wonderful place of work. They're born again Christians. The Lord blesses me with a car. Now I have a car that I didn't pay for. And and all seemed good until again when recently I realized that you know, what I want to do is to serve God as a full-time minister. It was a self-realization because at the job where I was, where I currently am, uh, you know, all peace left. And I felt like I was accomplishing nothing. I was having real trouble, you know, meeting deadlines and doing stuff. Until I, I said, okay, Father, now, um, I believe you're talking to me in one way or the other. So what would you want me to do? And the Lord, through his servant, just confirmed what he wants me to do. So I'm at that point where I need his grace to once again launch out into the deep. Encouraging you how very dearly Jesus loves you. You're listening to Nightlight. Farouk, thanks so much for sharing your testimony with us on Nightlight tonight. Before you go, let me ask you, what do you think our listeners can learn from your testimony? I know, I know, you know, Simon, I know there. Is, the other day uh, I was having lunch with a, a Muslim friend of mine who's on the same path I am, I was, mm-hmm. of speaking to God, not to, not to the Allah, but she has this God of hers. She always prays to this God. And this God answers prayer. And this God has led her to, 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 to me, led her to me, to, to ask me questions. How did you? There is a yearning in her to come to the Lord. But she doesn't know how. In fact, what I told her is that, you know what, it's not something that you should jump up and you know, announce to the, to, the, to the whole nation or the world that you accept Christ. But by yourself in your room, in the privacy of your room, you can just believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. So after uh, sharing with her, I, 
I believe there are so many people out there, especially in the Islamic world, who have had an encounter with God, with Christ, one way or the other. And they want to give their lives to Christ. But they don't know how to begin. You know, so I believe this this will help them. You know, it's it's not about everybody knowing that you're a Christian. It's not about going to church. It's about a relationship with Christ. I I have a problem of late, actually. I have a problem going to church. But that doesn't mean that I'm a Christian because I reached the point whereby I was going to church and I felt I was getting nothing from any someone. You you go there, you you want to hear a word and you can tell that this is not coming from God. There's manipulation. There's, I'm not saying all churches are like that, but this is this was in my case because I needed to know a deeper part of God. So one time I asked him, where am I going to find you? And you know what he said? He said, the Jesus you're looking for, you're not going to find in any church building. You will not find him in any building. But you'll have to seek him with your heart. And you have to seek him as you. So, I just encourage, I'd like to encourage people. I mean, I'm not a pastor, I'm not, but I believe God has given me the grace to know him in a way that some people yearn, most of us yearn to know. So it's it's that 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 I, be, I I hope that will come out of this for people out there to you know to to accept Christ and to know Him and in a personal way, not in a congregational way, but in a personal way. you would like to have the same kind of change that Farouk, who now calls himself Joshua, had in his life, well, you can. Salvation is for everybody. Jesus will create in you a new heart and renew a right spirit within you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Please pray this prayer with me for Jesus to come and live in your heart. Dear Jesus, please come and live in my heart. Please give me your free gift of eternal life. Please forgive me for all my mistakes and sins. Help me to love you with all of my heart. And help me to find ways to share your love and truth with others. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, that's it from me for now. Now I look forward to being back with you next time for another edition of Nightlight. God bless you. Bye-bye.